Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to the Pump Fake. I'm Jared Bailey, USA Today, joined by my good friend, my Vertor Ram Sports Illustrated, Money Money Quarterback. Off day of your, your training camp tour, buddy. How's that been going? It's been good. It's been good. Uh, it's been, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think now. What, what, what is today? Wednesday. Wednesday. Um, August 9th, Wednesday. all day, even if it rains. I, I swear, man, I'm, I'm so off because my training camp tour started on Friday. So it's, I, I, and I, that felt like Monday. Anyway, it's been good. It's been good. Um, started with Chicago, went to Indy, then Cincinnati, uh, up to Cleveland. And then yesterday, a joint practice in Allen Park, Michigan, with the Lions and the Giants, which was excellent. Um, a lot of fun to watch. And I can see coaches will tell you that they're more valuable than actual preseason games. And you can mm-hmm. see why. Um, it was great. It was also pretty cool. You had Saquon Barkley there, of course, with the Giants. And then also, yeah. by the way, Barry Sanders and Marshawn Lynch were just hanging out. So it was a who's who of running backs. Um, but, yeah, it was it was good. Um, and if you want to see any of the stuff I've written, you can see it both on my feed and on Sports Illustrated's feed. I had a big feature go up to Anna Lou Anarumo. Um, probably my favorite thing I wrote uh, so far. So I, I would hope people check that out. A lot of teams on that tour that can kind of go either way this season. And I've been at Steelers camp the past few days as well. So another team that's like, there's expectations with a lot of these. Um, I will say, you know, we talked a little bit yesterday about the Steelers. Now I'll reiterate a few things that I saw and we can kind of dive into a few things that you expect from them too. But, uh, Mm -hmm. you know, you've known me for a minute. Um, I think you were one of the first people after the Steelers drafted Kenny Pickett to message me and we're like, Hey man, good luck. Yeah. And uh, yep. I was I was very openly not on board with that. Um, in the last month of the season, though, I think that he showed that he has whatever you want to call that, you know, that clutch gene or whatever with those two game winning drives against the Raiders and Ravens. In camp, from what I've seen, it is a night and day difference with Kenny Pickett. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he's going into this offseason or he went into this offseason and into this camp knowing he's the guy. There's no quarterback controversy, you know, trying to figure out, all right, is it going to be Mitch Trubisky? Is it going to be Kenny Pickett? How there's a few people were like, hey, maybe Mason Rudolph starts week one last year. And it was, a, it was a time to be alive. But he looks poised. He looks confident. The offense is going to be hilarious. Like, I mean that in the best way because uh, everybody talking in Latrobe has been – or all the talks in Latrobe have been about Kendrick Green making the shift from – starting center in 2020 to was an active most of last season to now, you know, he went into camp likely going to get cut to now like a cult hero as like this fullback H back type. Right. And obviously the other mouths that they have to feed with Pickens and Johnson, Najee Harris, they upgrade the offensive line. I think the Steelers are going to be a lot of fun this year, man. Um, I think they have a real shot to make the playoffs. I mean, when you look at their schedule, look, the division's tough, right? And you can make an argument that that division along with the AFC East might be the best in football. Um, but and I'm going to bring it up here because I don't want to say things that are uh, incorrect, obviously. But yeah. so if you look at if you look at their schedule, it really is not that bad at all. I mean, they open up the season with the Niners, which is a tough game, although it is in Pittsburgh. Yeah. Then okay, you get the Browns. You're at the Raiders. That's a Sunday night. It's a winnable game. The Texans, like that's probably the most winnable two game road trip of all time. Yeah. Okay, the, the Raiders and Texans, like 
If you're, will, if you're a playoff team, you're going two and all in those games. I will say this, though. For some reason, historically, they are bad against the Raiders. And I don't think they haven't won on the road against the Raiders since 1995, I think is what, what Which I Which is wild that they did beat them last year. I know it was in Pittsburgh. They did. They did beat them. Uh, and that was with Carr and not Garoppolo. Look like you have, it, it, let's put it this way. If the Steelers are going to make the playoffs, you got to win those games. Yeah. Like those first two games, you got a Monday night against Cleveland week two at home. It's a game you should win. Raiders, Texans, home to Baltimore. That game is going to be what it is. It's always That's going to be a three and one, three and two start at worst for them. Yeah. And then, and then look at the Rams. I don't think the Rams are going to be particularly good. Some people yeah. do. I do not. Jacksonville at home, Titans at home. You know, even if you split those, okay, fine. You know, Titans should beat it all. And the Packers, you should win that game at home. A couple games on the road, Cleveland and Cincy. Back home to the Cardinals and the Patriots. Like, they're at the Colts. All I mean, of their toughest games are at home that aren't in division, which is a, a big, a big helpful factor. Yeah, I mean, look, I could easily come up with 10 wins for them. Like, yeah. easily. So, now, as far as the picket thing goes, and you've been at their camp, I have not been, so I'll defer to yeah. you. My concern with Pickett is twofold. One, he's 25 years old already. Yeah, yeah. He came out older. Um, so he's got to catch up faster. Number mm-hmm. two, um, actually, I guess I should say I have three concerns. That's one. The other one is the concussions from last year. Mm-hmm. That's the healthy. The third one is, so last year, he played in 13 games. He started 12 of them. He had four games where he threw for over 200 yards. And in those games, he threw in one game at 39 attempts for 244 yards. In another game, Buffalo, that was against the Raiders. Okay. Against the Bengals, he had 42 attempts for 265 yards. Against the Dolphins, he had 44 attempts for 257 yards, and he had three picks in that game. And against Buffalo, he had 52 attempts for 327 in a game that lost 38 to three. Like a recipe for winning. No, but my point is this: like, he's going to have to be better at raising his yards per attempt. Yeah. Like they need now. Part of that's on the offense too. Like Matt Canada's got to put him in the position to do it. To me, if I'm Pittsburgh. My offense is not Najee Harris. My offense is George Pickens and Pat Fryermuth and Deontay Johnson. And then and then Harris. Like, I'm not saying not to go to the man, but, like, sure. it's 2023 in the NFL. You're not winning by just pounding the ball into the line of scrimmage. You're just not. Like, your absolute best-case scenario with that is just a bunch of really close games that you find a way to win, and then you get to the playoffs and you face an elite quarterback and get beat by And get 30. smoked, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like – you have to be able to throw the ball. So for me, I, I actually think Pittsburgh has a very good chance to make the playoffs. But I, I think to, to actually be a threat in them, they need Pickett and Canada to be more aggressive and to raise that yards per attempt. I would like to think that that will happen, that they'll kind of let Kenny, you know, they'll unleash him a little bit more. A lot of it last year, I mean, they put him on a leash. They weren't going to let him sure. unless they – well, that Miami game, they kind of needed it, especially in the, in the fourth quarter where it was a low-scoring game and no team seemed to want to win that game. Um, but, yeah, th- it was a lot of just handoffs, dump-offs, running a lot of, like, stick concepts. It, it was a very vanilla offense, which is Matt Canada in a nutshell for the past couple seasons. Um, yeah, yep, you're right. But, you know, with the with the talent that they have, like, the different things that they can do in terms of all the mouths that they have in this offense, I would like to think that they're smart enough to realize, like you pointed out, if they do get to the playoffs, all right, that's great. You're going to face Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Josh Allen. You're going to face probably Joe Burrow again. 
Lamar Jackson. Like, you need a guy that you can ride in January. And we'll, we'll see if Pickett is that guy. But, again, a lot of it, too, he was thrown to the wolves middle of the season. The offense wasn't complex enough for him to be able to say, okay, let's do this and, you know, you know, throw the ball downfield. It's not to say that – I mean, he doesn't have the biggest arm, but we've seen guys prove you don't need a huge arm to be able to move the ball. Joe Burrow doesn't have the biggest arm in the world, but they can still get yards at whatever clip they decide to get them at. So I would like to think that after a full offseason of getting more acquainted with the playbook, I'm sure Kenny wants to be a little bit more aggressive offensively too. Um, I do think they're going to run the ball a lot, though. I know you, you mentioned that the offense can't be Najee Harris. I agree with you in the long term and, and in the playoffs it can't be. You know, I think bringing in, you know, drafting Broderick Jones, bringing in Isaac Samalo from Philadelphia to put on that left side, they're going to look to run the ball a little bit more and not put everything on Kenny Pickett's plate. But there does need to be some more explosiveness and some pop to the offense. I don't think they're going to be a top 10 unit or anything like that. But I think that they can, you know, hover around a middle of the pack offense with, you know, the occasional explosive play per game. They need them. I mean, they need explosive play. And they have the receivers to do it. I mean, you've got to be able to take advantage of that. You just, this isn't 1995. You're not going to the Super Bowl with Neil O'Donnell. So he's going to have to throw the football. Who did the Chargers have in uh, the AFC title game year? Was it Stan Humphreys and Neil O'Donnell there? Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That, that's something you'll never see again. I, which, by the way, actually, it's a good segue because um, Kay Adams she does a great job. She's been doing her camp tour. And I saw, yeah. I think today, maybe it was yesterday. Um, was was interviewing Brendan Staley and they were talking about Herbert and and, and you know occasionally high on, on Herbert and, and rightfully so I mean he's incredibly talented. He's great. Um it made me think because the Chargers always I don't want to say they fascinate me, but they they do in the sense that I feel like every year we have to go through these these like motions of hey you know you know who's great? The Chargers. And then we get to like week nine. I'm like, man, you know who's really disappointing this year? The Chargers. And <laughs> and and I, I mentioned that Kay's at the camp because, A, I think she does a great job to follow her show. Um, yeah, she's great. Couldn't meet a nicer person. I've, I've had the pleasure of getting to know her a little bit. She's awesome. But secondly, um, you know, she had this interview with Stanley where he talked about taking a big leap and, and, and going for it. And like, to me, Herbert, I don't know if there has to be a big league taken in terms of, like, what he does on the field. I mean, look, I'd like to see them throw the ball more down the field. They, they have it under Lombardi. Lombardi's handcuffed him to no end, and now they have Kellen Moore in there. So in that regard, yeah. But, like, I, I also think it's a fair commentary to sit here and say, like, I've seen many people, and, and Kay actually didn't even do this, but many people who are like, he's got to be in your top five. It's like, does he really? Does he really have to be in my top five? Talking about Herbert, right? As the top five quarterback. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of people like with these the rankings now. It's that time of year. I like the list yeah. come out. Like this is your sure. top five. And it's like I don't like. Is he in the top five? Like, does he have to be? You could certainly argue that he is. To me, there is no argument that he's better than Mahomes, Burrow, or Allen. There's not. Oh no, no. I don't see. So now you're down to like the last two spots in this. I get the argument that he's better than Jalen Hurts based off of Hurts has had one spectacular year sure. and he's surrounded by incredible talent. But he's had one incredible year. Like, I, has, has Herbert had an incredible year? Like, what is Herbert? Oh, my saying? goodness. Yes, he has. 2021, what? he had, what, was it 38 touchdown passes that year? Was that, was, that, was that the year that they couldn't beat the Raiders to go to the playoffs? Hey, I'm not saying. At like, some point, he has to have a little bit of help, doesn't yeah, he? Not? But, it, but but see, this is this is the thing, right? Like, 
how much help does he need exactly? To, not, not to, I'm not saying to win a Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. Because like, to win a Super Bowl, he needs a better coach. And, and yes, yes. But like to win a playoff game, how much help does the man need? I mean, he's got two elite receivers. He has a capable tight end in Everett. I'm not saying he's great, but he's solid. Sure. You have an all-pro center and an all-pro left tackle. You you had for you now not not this year but in recent years you said Matt Filer who's a, just a, a quality guard you just guard. you just put another first round pick last year into Zion Johnson who's a first round guard you extended Trey Pipkin who I don't know that I would have done that but they, they believe in him yeah. enough apparently they've extended him you defensively have Joey Bosa Khalil Mack last couple of years you had Drew Tranquil you have Derwin James Asante Samuel like. How much help do you need to win a game? Like I, it, it, you're twenty-seven nothing and plus five in a turnover ratio and lost. In a, I, I'm not saying it's all on him. I think Staley is a bad head coach. Yes, I think that defense underachieves in big moments. So I'm not saying it's all on Herbert, but this notion that like he's just unassailable and he's got he's great. Like, I can understand the argument he's going to take a leap with Kellen Moore and that you'll love him as a quarterback. Because, by the way, I think he absolutely deserves to be in the conversation as a top five guy. But there seems to be this group thing that if he's not in your top five, you're just a dope. And, like, is there an argument to be made you'd rather have Jalen Hurts? You can make that argument, but let me let me counter everything that you just said. So you Also, out- would you argue, like, would could you argue you'd rather have Trevor Lawrence? I would listen to that argument. I'm going to tell you, I think I'd rather have Trevor Lawrence. I I absolutely hear that. Um, Let let, let me make the argument for for Herbert, though. In his first three seasons, no quarterback or offense has scored more points than Justin Herbert has in his first three years. And I think that's that's pretty good. In that same three-year span, the Chargers have allowed the most points. The Chargers defense has allowed the most points in any three-year span. So you mentioned that they're underachieving. That's an understatement. And which is crazy because Brandon Staley's big thing is, oh, yeah, defense. They allow like yeah. nine yards a carry. It's horrible. horrible. Yeah, the argument there. He's and, and when it comes to Mike Evans, Keenan Allen, Rashawn Slater, all of them were hurt last year. Like at some, at one point, his number one receiver was Josh Palmer. DeAndre Carter was his number one guy, I think, going into the San Francisco yep. game. Like they can't stay healthy. And that's not a new thing either. Like you remember a few years ago when Tyrod Taylor had his lung punctured and that's why. He totally fair. Just, yep. Yeah. So. I think a lot of it is like, yes, on paper every year, we kind of do this thing where we drink the Chargers Kool-Aid because on paper they should be good. And then something like the JC Jackson thing, they, they make a big splash and sign him last year. He misses yeah. practically all of last season with the ankle. Um, Joey Bosa has missed time in years past. Khalil Mack, like there's a bunch of guys who they bring in that we say, oh my goodness, the Chargers, they're really like, they, they were on the cusp last year, but now they're really, and something inevitably always happens. If they can stay healthy, then yeah, I would definitely listen to like, oh man, is Justin Herbert underachieving? And even now I would listen to it. You're up 27, nothing. I understand that Brandon Saley, you got to win that game. So I, that you, you can put a lot of that on Herbert too, but a lot of it I think is look at Joe Lombardi's play calling in the second half yep. of that game. It was, it wasn't good. Well, so his, his play calling just in general. But yeah. listen, your, your points are all correct and well taken. Like, they had a lot of injuries last year. Like, last yeah. year, Slater missed most of the year. Yeah. Herbert himself was hurt for a good Yeah, I mean, he's playing with the ribbons. Yeah, no no question. And listen, the point is not that he's not a great player. He's a great player. Otherwise, he wouldn't be yeah. in the conversation, in my eyes, for the top five. Mm-hmm. My point is, there's this weird, almost like, appointment of him as like, well, he's an elite quarterback like everybody else. And you're like, he's – 
he's an elite talent. Like he, he reminds me a lot of Matthew Stafford in terms mm. of the way we talk about him. So like Matthew Stafford in Detroit for years on end was surrounded by talent, you know, and the Adamican Sues and the Calvin Johnsons and the Nick Fairleys and the Reggie Bushes. But like it never felt like they put it together for one reason or another. I think that's a fair comparison to the Chargers, who are talented, and the Lions made the playoffs a couple of years, but they never really felt like a team that realized who it could have been, right? Yeah. Maybe it was the coaching, maybe it was injuries. I do think it's totally fair. But with Stafford, there was always this push of like, well, he's great, he's great, he's great. It's like, well, he's he's incredibly talented, but he also contributes at times. Like most of the time he's great, but a lot of time, but at times he contributes to the problem because he throws a bad pick or he makes a play here that he shouldn't. Yeah, I mean the year, the, Lions won, uh, the year that the Rams won the Super Bowl, I think he threw like 17 picks. Yeah, he threw a ton of interceptions. Now, yeah. now look, now the Rams go to the Super Bowl, and to his credit, he plays really well in the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. Okay. And especially at the end of the game. And they win and, and deservedly so he's a Super Bowl champion. And I think the conversation about his career is going to be very awkward when he when he walks away because you're going to have some people who are like, he won a Super Bowl. He should be in the Hall of Fame. You know, like, no, he probably shouldn't be, man. Like, he, he, honestly, and this genuinely surprised me. I actually looked this up the other day. Do you know how many Pro Bowls he's been in? Matt Stafford, I'll say yeah. five. One. Really? He's been, a, he's been the one Pro Bowl in this career. That is very and I was shocked by that. Like, I thought he would, I would have been with you. I would have said like yeah. four or five. But my point is, Stafford for a long time either was on bad teams, which okay, not his fault, or like teams that were pretty good that like really never did anything for one reason or the other. Maybe it was on him some years, maybe it wasn't, but like they didn't win the other two. And with Herbert, Mahomes is a two-time Super Bowl champion, but nobody's comparing him to Mahomes. So like put that aside. Burrow's gone to two AFC title games the last two years, and he's gone. And and by the way, with you and me as his tackles, okay? Yeah. And yeah. has gone to two AFC title games and a Super Bowl and was damn near winning one. And was within a ball hair of going to consecutive Super Bowls, if not for a, a bad penalty taken by his defense to put the, the chance in field goal position. Okay. Allen has won a bunch of playoff games. Okay. Now, Allen has – you could argue Allen's had more support than Burrow or Mahomes in some ways because he's always had a really good defense around him and he's a dig. But, like, Allen has won a bunch of games. Okay. He is unassailably there. He's an all-pro the whole day. Yeah. I know Hertz is surrounded by a lot of talent. There are a lot of guys in the NFL surrounded by a lot of talent. Now, maybe not the extent Philadelphia gives, okay, but he he was awesome. And yeah. he was in the MVP conversation, second team all pro. Lawrence has no defense to speak of. This is and true. was coached by Urban Meyer as a rookie. And that team not only went to the playoffs, <laughs> won a game, and then like actually gave a decent account of themselves in Kansas City. Yeah. Yeah. My problem is not that Herbert is considered a great talent. He is an incredible talent. I love watching him play. My, my contention is, though, the two biggest games of his career, Raiders Week 18, Jacksonville game. In that Raiders game, he was extremely mediocre for three quarters, then went into God mode for the fourth yeah. quarter. It was credit. It was unbelievable. But then they go to overtime – the people forget this. The Raiders get the ball and drive all the way down the field, and then in typical classic Raiders fashion, get stopped at the five-yard line, have to kick a field goal, right? <laughs> so if Herbert goes down and they score a touchdown, they win the game. Max Crosby's the only guy in that defense worth a damn, and the Chargers just <laughs> cannot score a touchdown, right? And, and then eventually lose. And then we all know what happened in Jacksonville playoff game. 
it's not all on Herbert. But my thing is like, why is it? Ne- why is never any of it on Herbert? It's that's never, a very fair point. I'll give you that. It's never. It's always like, well, it's Stanley. It's the injury. And yet, look, it 100 is those things as well. But it's never given to Herbert. Like if if Josh Allen blew a 27 nothing lead <laughs> and had a plus five turnover ratio in the game, people would be like choked. Show, I, I, yeah. Can you imagine if Mahomes did that? Like Mahomes has two Super Bowl rings, and when they blew that lead to Cincinnati, and rightfully so, he got crushed for that game, and yeah. he deserved to get crushed for it. If Burrow lost that game, my get like if Lamar Jackson did that, if Lamar Jackson blew a twenty-seven nothing lead, okay. he'd be crucified till the end of time. Herbert does it, and it's like, well, it's not his fault. It is kind of his fault. Like Scott. I, I feel like I feel like Herbert and Lamar are kind of in the same class, though. Where if you say anything negative about one of them, that means you hate them. Or if you like, you're it's one extreme or the other. I feel like him and yeah. Lamar are kind of in the same boats when it comes to that. No, I, there's truth in that because with, with Lamar, it's either like you've got to absolutely love him and there's never anything yeah. wrong, or you are like the biggest critic of him in the world. I don't know how they're going to be this year, man, to be honest with you. I don't either because I don't know if the defense is, is good. But And I don't know what, what this Munkin system is going to look like with Lamar Jackson. Like, it's I, that's not to say that he – not that I'm not going to be one of those dopes that says, oh, he's a running back. No, like he, he's gotten marginally No, but it's a whole new system. Yes. And yes. it's new receivers. And we were just talking about guys who get injured. Who can't like, stay healthy. Yeah. He gets hurt. Bateman gets hurt. You've got a new rookie receiver who's on the smaller side in Zay Flowers. Maybe he's great. Maybe he's not. We'll see. Yeah. But, yeah, no, it's a real – I mean, look, they're one of those teams, like, they have a lot of variance to them. They could go 13-4 and four and be unbelievable, and you'd be like, okay, yeah, sure. They could also go 8-9, and nine and you could go, yeah, well, you know what, as it turns out, Beckham and Bateman got hurt, and it took half the season to get used to a new scheme, and the defense wasn't nearly as good with all the guys they lost, and you're sitting there going, yeah, you know what, it might be time to kind of rebuild this team. So I agree. They're, and, again, it's a division where you look at it and go, well – Anybody could could make the playoffs out of that division, and yeah. I, I don't see the Bengals missing the playoffs. But anybody could miss it, like outside of Cincinnati. So it's it's a very interesting division. I think it's going to be a very tightly contested division. NFC North is going to be tight too. Um, and you visited the Bears, you visited the Lions. The more I think about the Packers, the more they like kind of fascinate me. Like defensively, they're going to be awesome, um, and it's just going to come down to how good is Jordan Love going to be. And we're seeing a bunch of clips of him throwing, you know, sidearm between two defenders during training camp, scrimmage drills and whatnot. And, like, I try not to invest too much into that. But at the same time, like, we – if he's, like – if he's fine, I think that they're going to be – if not a playoff team, they're going to be in the hunt all year. Yeah. The Packers are really interesting. They're going to be the last stop on my tour. I saw them in OTAs. And I'm not going to sit here and draw a big comparison – or a big uh, conclusion out of one – OTA practice with Jordan Love, like that's stupid. He he struggled that day, but they also did a lot of red zone stuff. Like the, the practice was kind of designed for the offense to have a tough day. Matt Lafleur in that presser that day though did say he's like, look, the offense is going to be a work in progress all year long. Like we know that. My concern with the defense is this: I'm with you in the sense they're really talented. Like the defense has a lot of guys on it. I yeah. love Rashawn Gary; he's now back. Jair Alexander, awesome. yeah, right. I mean, you're right. Kenny Clark on and on. Like, yeah. They're really talented. My concern is that their system and their scheme has been a mess over the last couple of years, right? Like that's kind of been, you know, if you if you talk to people who follow the Packers, you cover the Packers, stuff like that, like one of the biggest things has been, yeah, you know what? Joe Barry gets a lot 
of criticism. And mm-hmm. I think it's justified. Like when you watch them, they're very simplistic in the way they play. And they're very rigid in the way they play. Obviously, you know, people who watch this, I'm sure know, I, I'm a Chiefs fan, grew up a Chiefs fan. Like I remember before Steve Spagnuolo, they had Bob Sutton as a defensive coordinator. Mm. Bob Sutton would sit in cover two, man under. I'm not kidding. Every play. Every single play. And just say, that's fine. So we're going to play defense. I remember charting a game once when I worked for SB Nation. They asked me to do a film study. Mm. I might be a couple snaps off on this. They played the Raiders. It was like a it was a, it was a Sunday night game or it was a primetime game, Thursday night game. Is this like Matt Castle era Chiefs? No, this was Alex Smith. Okay. And this game, I believe, was the game. Somebody could fact check this, but I, I, I'm pretty sure this is correct. It was the, they were playing the Raiders, who hadn't won a game that year. They were like 0-10. It was like Carr's <laughs> rookie season. It was a Thursday night game in Oakland. And the Chiefs lost the game, and it kept them from the playoffs. That was the year Seattle mm-hmm. and New England played in the Super Bowl. The Chiefs beat both of them and didn't make the playoffs because they lost to like an 0-10 Raiders team. But in any event, <laughs> I bring it up because I remember charting the game, and there was something like 73 or 75 snaps in the game. The Chiefs did not run a twist or a stunt the entire game. Just four guys straight up. I think they blitzed like twice. They just sat in the same defense the entire game. And they would do that week in and week out. I mean, all the way up to Mahomes' first year as a starter when he won MVP. That's what they did. And so it got to a point where, like, the Chiefs back then were really talented on defense. They had Justin Houston, Tom Bali, Brandon Flowers, Eric Berry, Derek Johnson, Don Terry Poe. They couldn't win big games. They couldn't get off the field in big games because everybody knew what they were going to do defensively. In fact, against your Steelers, they had a notorious play in Kansas City in a playoff game where Justin Houston was on Antonio Brown for mm. I, I It was just – you're like, they're never winning a Super Bowl like this. This is insane. Yeah. I feel like Joe Barry, it's a similar issue. Like, it's just – they're not coached one off defensively. And that, that's my concern with the Packers' defense. I believe Xavier Grimble caught a touchdown pass that game. I'm not I, mistaken. I'll have to go back and look. I blocked that out. I don't know. No, no, he didn't. You know, I know he didn't because it's the only game in NFL history, at least – Was that the sixth field goal game? Yep. All right. The team didn't score a touchdown and beat a team that scored two touchdowns. That's fantastic. It was not that. It, it was, I was in deep emotional. Actually, it wasn't in this sense. That was the game that convinced the Chiefs to draft the quarterback. There you go. So, so in that way, it was fantastic. Mike Tomlin did did Chiefs fans a, a forever universal favor that day. Yes, he did. What a guy in Mike Tomlin. All right, buddy. I know you've got a busy busy day ahead of you. I'll let you get out of here. Uh, what do you, you want to plug anything for what you got coming on SI? Let's check out a Sports Illustrated. I've got a feature up right now in Lou Anarumo, the Bengals D coordinator. It was a lot of fun to write that. Lou's a great guy and, 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 and a phenomenal coordinator. Um, I have a feature up also. On, I guess I'm running uh, around with defensive coordinator features. I have uh, Jim Schwartz. I it, That one's not so much about Schwartz as much as it's about the Browns kind of revamping their defense. The Anarumo one's actually about Anarumo. Um, those are up. I have camp reports up for every single uh, team that I, I saw, which was six teams in five days. Um, you can check those. You can check out my Twitter feed, check out SI, whatever you want to do. But, yeah, there's plenty more coming. On Sunday, I'm at Vikings practice. Tuesday, I'm in Kansas City. So, um, and, then, and then a little bit after that, I'll, I'll be in Green Bay. So I got three more stops. And then I'm staffing the Chiefs Lions uh, opener at Arrowhead. So it's, uh, it's a busy, busy time. It's a great time. It is a great time. All right, buddy. I'll let you get out of here. I'm going to run through my top 10, make people go read my power rankings on USA Today, but I'll talk to you soon. Take care, man.
All right, buddy. Matt Ramp Sports Illustrated. And so, yes, I did just say, um, I'll be doing power rankings on USA Today this year, which is awesome. Um, and to give you a little bit of a taste, to give you a little bit of a reason to go read them, I'll give you my top 10, and then you can go over to USA Today and read 32 to 1. All, you, all your favorite teams, you can come at me on Twitter or X, whatever it's called. Now you can yell at me for ranking your team lower than they should be in your eyes. So 10 to 1, this is what it sits at right now. And then we'll get out of here and tease some stuff for the coming week as we get back into the swing of things here on the show doing weekly episodes going into the NFL season. So number 10, I put Miami at number 10. That might seem a little bit low to people. I think not having Jalen Ramsey until December at the earliest, that's going to hurt them a little bit. I do love uh, the potential of their defense, though, with Vic Fangio, especially their front four with Wilkins and Zach Sealer, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb. Fangio isn't a guy who blitzes a lot, so they need, they're going to rely on those those four guys to win and they they do it very well wilkins and sealer were the top two in the nfl and and win rate uh last year so i like what i see from that perspective it just comes down to offensively what are the dolphins going to do when teams counter their offense because if you look at the charters game last year the 49ers game last year it seems like you know there's a blueprint to figure them out how are they going to counter punch that um they're still going to be uh, it would shock me if they're you know bad um but this is a deep AFC. They're going to be competing for pl- for a playoff spot. The offense, as long as everybody stays healthy, it's still going to be explosive. But I would like to, to see what happens when you know a little bit of, ad- of adversity comes their way. So Dolphins are number ten, number nine. Hey, we already talked about the Chargers. I don't. I feel like I even wrote in the column like I feel like I'm going to regret this because every year we all drink the Chargers Kool Aid, and every year it seems to come back to bite me. I'm doing it again simply because of Justin Herbert and you know, all the things I I just pointed out. In the conversation with Matt, most points in a three-year span, but the defense has allowed the most points in a three-year span. I'm surprised that Brandon Staley retained his job. You know, they made Joe Lombardi kind of the scapegoat, which hey, they needed to move on from Joe Lombardi regardless. Um, Kellen Moore, I think, will open up the offense a little bit. Uh, he is more of you know a, an intermediate offense guy, similar to Lombardi, but his is more north and south rather than east and west, uh, focusing on the sidelines like Lombardi did. So the Chargers are number nine. They need to stay healthy. That's their biggest thing. If everybody stays healthy, they should be a playoff team. With that quarterback, it, if they miss the playoffs this year, there's a lot of questions. Obviously, Staley's going to be gone, but there's going to be a lot of figuring out to do. But the Chargers are number nine very hesitantly. Number eight, the New York Jets. They went 7-10 and 10 last year with a tackling dummy at quarterback and Mike White and the Cougar alum, Cougar hunter, Zach Wilson. That defense is very good. Adding Aaron Rodgers with Garrett Wilson, nice collection of running backs, solid offensive line. Weapons are pretty solid all around. There's not too many holes on this team. They do play in a tougher division. But when you add a four-time MVP who just signed an extension showing that he's there for at least a few years, knowing that he's still got football left in him, I think it was a nice a change of scenery was needed for Aaron Rodgers. And I think that it's going to pay dividends. I think the Jets are going to be a playoff team. A little bit hesitant on that end, too, because it still is the Jets. But with all that talent, it's hard to bet against them getting in to the playoffs. Number seven, I'm going to be higher than than most on the Steelers this year, so get used to that. Uh, They're number seven in my inaugural power rankings. And look, if you want to say it's a little bit high, whatever, that's fine. Um, Everything that I've seen from their camp, man, I think we're going to be really good. Uh, There's very – I don't see – a unit on their team, maybe nickel cornerback, because that's their biggest question right now. You know, they're going between guys like Shannon Sullivan, who came over from Minnesota, who wasn't good last year. 
Elijah Riley has really impressed at camp. It looks like it's going to be his job to lose at that nickel spot. So everywhere else, man, their offense has a ton of weapons. Their offensive line got better. They got three all pros on the defensive side of the ball and a lot of young talent. Like it's a very healthy balance of really good veterans and young talent that has a lot of potential and is really athletic. I've been on record saying that my hot take of the year is that the Steelers win in the AFC North. I'm sticking with that. That doesn't necessarily mean I think that they're better than a team that's going to be ranked above them in the division, but they have an easier road to get there than, than that team. So the Steelers are number seven. The Jaguars are number six. If there is an easier bet on who's going to win their division, I don't know it because I think Jacksonville is the lock for the AFC South. The Colts aren't going to be there. The Texans probably aren't going to be there. And the Titans are trying to convince themselves that they're still playoff contenders, but they're not. Trevor Lawrence is my pick to win MVP this year. And you add Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk in the slot, Evan Ingram uh, doing the things that he does, ETN and Agnew. The only thing that really concerns me is their secondary. Andre Sisco is really good, but they don't really have you know an apex guy in the secondary. Um, but the offense, man, they're going to score a lot of points. Doug Peterson, we know how good of an offensive play caller and play designer he is. And I think that adding Ridley to the mix, they're going to they could be a sneaky pick to not only be the number one seed in the AFC, they can make it to the Super Bowl if their offense is that good. So the Jacksonville Jaguars are number six. Number five, the 49ers. I reserve my top four spots for teams whose quarterbacks I can trust. And I trust everything else with the 49ers, but I can't trust their quarterback. I don't know who's going to be. Is it going to be Brock Purdy? Is it going to be Trey Lance? Hell, is it going to be Sam Darnold? Because I feel like Sam Darnold's going to play at some point this season. Everything else on the roster is great. They just added Javon Hargrave to a really good defense. Now they've got Javon Hargrave, uh, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa on the same offense, uh, same defensive line. I think they're secondary. Uh, guys like Gamador Lenore are going to take an, the next step. Uh, Hafanga is a really good safety. Fred Warner is the best off-ball linebacker in football. And their offense at the skill positions are basically the NFC Pro Bowl team. I love everything about the 49ers except their quarterback. And it feels like Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch need to be the, the smartest guys in the room because they can't seem to figure this thing out. Everything else about the 49ers says they should be a Super Bowl team, but until they find a guy under center to do it, I'm not going to pick them to get there. Number four, the Buffalo Bills. Last year was supposed to be Buffalo's year. Like the Chiefs were going through what we thought would be, you know, a transitional year and they end up winning the Super Bowl. But a lot of their lack of depth was exposed against Cincinnati. Their offensive line wasn't good down the stretch. And their pass rush was non-existent once Von Miller went down. They were going up against backup linemen for the Bengals, and they just couldn't get to Joe Burrow. So I don't want to hear anybody say, oh, but Greg Rousseau and A.J. Epinesa, they're not predominant pass rushers. They need somebody else. That's why they went out and got Leonard Floyd. We'll find out when they get Von Miller back during the season. They're still talented on that side of the ball outside of the pass rush when Von Miller you know, comes back. Matt Milano's really good. I think he's the second-best off-ball linebacker in football. Trey White, they need to see something more from Kyrie Elam. But Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer are both back. It's a really good safety duo, maybe the best in football. And then offensively, you bring in a guy like Dalton Kincaid to be, you know, that big slot number two option guy. Um, and their offensive line got better through the draft. So Buffalo is expected to still be in the mix, but a Super Bowl needs to come soon. Or people are going to start rumbling about, okay, is Sean McDermott really the guy? Do they need to find somebody else? Um, last year was supposed to be their year. They went through a lot of stuff, you know, especially the DeMar Hamlin incident, but We'll see what, what comes from Buffalo this year. I expect them to still be in it. Um, Buffalo is number four. The Philadelphia Eagles are number three. J we talked about it with Matt. Uh, Jalen Hurts had a really good year, and they're still really talented. Yes, they lost Hargrave. Yes, uh, they lost C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They bring in Terrell Edmonds from Pittsburgh. He was a really underrated signing, and then they drafted half of the Georgia Bulldogs football roster to, to make up for the loss of Hargrave. They bring in Jalen Carter and Kobe Dean. 
uh, Kelly Ringo in secondary. Like they got a bunch of really talented guys in the draft. Uh, running back wise, they lose Miles Sanders. They bring in DeAndre Swift, shot Penny. A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith are still going to do their thing. Dallas Goddard's a really good tight end, and they still have the best offensive line in football. Eagles are still going to be right in it. They are the best team in the NFC until proven otherwise. Number two, the Cincinnati Bengals. The, the loss of Jesse Bates and Von Bell does concern me a little bit, but at the same time, like, I don't want to say safety's not important because obviously it is, but, you know, they're if they lost like Trey Hendrickson and DJ Reader, I'd be a hell of a lot more concerned, but they still have Trey Hendrickson. They gave him an extension. They still have DJ Reader, Jermaine Pratt, those are their three big dogs on that on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we saw Cam Taylor Britt took a really big step forward last year. They Dax Hill at safety. They took him in the first round a few years ago, and they expect him to be. You know, if if you take a guy in the first round, you expect him to be ready when his numbers called upon. He's going to be in that starting role this year. Not offensively, we know what they're going to be. Um, we'll see how much time, if any, regular season time that Joe Burrow misses. But it's going to be it's going to be the Burrow Chase and Higgins show offensively. They just need to find good offensive linemen to keep him one. They need to have they stay healthy on the, on the offensive line and they need to be able to keep him upright throughout the season. Because again, the offensive line was inconsistent as hell last year, but regardless, if all goes well for the Bengals, then they're going to be right back in the mix and potentially going to another Super Bowl. And then we know who number one is the Kansas city chiefs. They have Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and you don't um, losing Eric, the enemy at offensive coordinator. We'll see how much of a difference that makes, but really the, the, the engine that runs this machine is Mahomes, Reed, the offensive line. They need to get Chris Jones back because if they lose Chris Jones, then their chances of making it back to the Super Bowl go down drastically. He's their second most important player, I would argue. Um, but, hey, they brought in more weapons. The draft, Rashi Rice out of SMU. Um, Travis Kelsey's still there. Kadarius Tony, a full year in the system. We're going to see how he plays this season. Kansas City's still the best team in football. Uh, even if they're not the deepest team in football, as long as they've got 15, and as long as they got Andy Reid, they're going to be a threat to win it. They've been to three Super Bowls with those guys. They've won two of them. Would not shock me whatsoever if they repeated this year. So that is my top 10. Again, go read 32 to 1 power rankings on USA Today. Really excited to do that all year on USA Today. It's going to be a lot of fun. Go read the Steelers stuff too, behind the Steel Curtain. I'm the deputy editor of that site too. So my plate is full for the NFL season. And I'm excited to bring you guys all the content that I can, especially here on the Pumpfake. We do weekly episodes again. Like I tweeted out, you know, it's been a little bit of a hiatus just because I felt like everything that could be said about the offseason about every team has kind of been said and settling into these new roles. Now we're, you know, tomorrow kicks off to our week one of you know official preseason action. We got the Texans Patriots to kick it off tomorrow at 7 Eastern on NFL Network. And then we're right back in the flow of things. We are, what, a month away from week one, Thursday night football, Chiefs-Lions. So we're back, everybody. And it's really good to be back. Now I know how much the offseason tended to go by slower as I was younger, but the last two offseasons kind of flown. This one really flew for me. I don't know about you guys, but it's always good to, you know, be – around this time of year with a lot of excitement. Everybody has expectations at this point in the year. You know, even if it's not Super Bowl expectations, even if you're a team, you know, that's probably on the cusp of a playoff berth or might not make it, you know, still young talents that you're excited to see, see the direction of the franchise. That's why this, this time of year is so fun. But a month away from officially kicking off week one, 
month away tomorrow, I should say. Chiefs, Lions, and then we got preseason action throughout the weekend that kicks off tomorrow with Houston and New England at 7. And there's another game at 10. I should have brought that up. Let's see what that game is. But regardless, the Pump Fake is back weekly. Part of the Believe Podcast Network. Listen wherever you get your podcast. Watch me on YouTube. All that fun stuff. Appreciate you guys tuning in. I always appreciate my buddy Matt Verderam for tuning in as well. This has been the Pump Fake. We'll see you next week. Keep up with all the stuff on USA Today and SB Nation. In the meantime, all my written stuff, you can tweet at me or X at me, Z at me, whatever it's called now, at NFL on the app formerly known as Twitter. And yeah, the machine is back rolling, everybody. NFL season is up and running, and it's going to be a fun one. Keep it up. Keep up with me throughout the entire season at NFL. We'll see you next week on The Pump Think. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.